Well, good morning to each one. It is good to be here with you this morning and uh, trust that God would bless our time together uh, worshiping him and uh, preparing for this evening. I'm sure uh, this evening is on everyone's mind as you uh, prepare to nominate this evening. Been praying about it for some time. I'm sure fasting also. And as you have set aside time to discern the will of God, I, I expect that God is speaking and uh, moving here in the church. And uh, ordination is a sacred time. It's a time of blessing for the church. It's the work of the church. It's our way of choosing the next leader, in this case, the deacon. And uh, this evening, it will be your responsibility as a church to bring a name if God lays it on your heart. Thankfully, our responsibility is not to choose the next deacon, but to choose a lot and allow God to choose the next deacon here for the Peckway congregation. <clears throat> and it's our role to find or to choose the men who are qualified and let God choose the one that he wants or is calling. So here in a week, a man and his family will be called to focus on the work of the church and um, it's the work is a blessing as a deacon I can say that it's been a real blessing for myself and our family um, it's not always easy but it's God's work <clears throat> and there's blessings in it <clears throat> I will also say to those of you who may not be called may not be in the lot um, may not be involved in this way that does not mean that what you're doing in the church is not important Maybe God's saying, I really want you here in this role, supporting the church in this way. And so we have all have a role to play in our church and the success of our church in uh, doing well and being the bride of Christ. So we're going to spend some time looking this morning at the qualifications uh, for a deacon. If you have your Bibles open to 1 Timothy 3, you can follow along. Uh, first of all, we have some verses that talk about the bishop and then verses that are referring to the deacon. Some of the qualifications overlap. Uh, different things are noted in each, and so we'll be taking a look at some of them here this morning. I would say we're just going to go through and talk about some of the practical. Um, as, as we look at, at uh, voting for a man to be in the lot, who are we looking for? And and what does scripture have to say about this? As we think of the word deacon, uh, I believe the word servant should come to your mind. A deacon serves, he serves the church. Uh, I believe Glenn focused a bit more on, on when the church called deacons in Acts. Um, it says in Acts chapter six, the deacons were to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom who we may appoint over this business. And so there was a special job for the deacons that God uh, was calling, is calling them to. And it says in verse seven of Acts chapter six, the result is that the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly 
and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so uh, we see when there are deacons who are doing their job well, the church is blessed. So as we think of, of a deacon, I don't think we're looking for anyone who's gone through seminary necessarily. We're not looking for someone who has great giftings with public speaking or is, um, has all these talents. We're not looking for the one with the most talents. We're not looking for one who gives and volunteers as one that qualifies, but we're looking for a man with godly character. And I believe as you read in 1 Timothy 3, uh, godly character comes to your mind quite a bit. It should. It's not talking about the gift of public speaking here. It's talking about a man's character. So as we look at these verses, I believe there's three components or three parts. Uh, one refers to character, another authenticity, and uh, the third, their family. So starting in verse 8, as we, as we look at uh, the first verse talking about deacons, it says, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. So uh, I don't know that we're looking for just serious deacons. We're looking for ones that can enjoy life too. What does it mean to be grave? I believe as we think of someone who's grave, it's someone that um, is serious, can be serious, um, has dignity and expression or attitude. Uh, someone with reputation that you know that you can trust. Someone who's worthy of respect. And I believe as you think of grave, that is who we're looking for. Someone that is worthy of respect. Not double-tongued. When someone's double-tongued, we don't know what to believe. We don't know whether this or that is supposed to be believed. They don't talk out of both sides of their mouth. They speak the truth the first time with the intent um, to be honest and not to deceive, but are very upfront about what the truth is. Another part of the verse talks about wine, not giving too much wine. And uh, times change, um, cultures change, and it may not be about wine today, right? Uh, when, when you think of things that you can be addicted to, it seems the list is growing as the world is changing. So if a man is controlled by a substance, whether it's wine or not, or controlled by anything where he, he loses his self-control and this overtakes his life, he will not be controlled by God. <clears throat> and not greedy of filthy lucre, not greedy of money. How do, we, how do we see this in our affluent communities? So if a deacon is greedy and looking for more money, how can he be entrusted with the church's finances? Especially when anonymous gifts are given in cash uh, and we think of this man handling the cash. Will he be trustworthy in that? When someone gives anonymously for another person, there's no follow through except for the deacon. And I think in times like that, 
Um, it's good as a deacon to, whether it's in the ministry team or as in Mine Road, we would have a deacon committee where there's two lay members that we would confer with. Um, just be open about the transactions, the financial transaction with somebody else, um, especially when it's in cash and anonymous. <clears throat> Being transparent with givers, with donors, using integrity with tax deductible receipts in respect of government regulations and the intention of who is giving. I know there has been times where, as a deacon, I have just said, you know, I really, this is probably not a tax deductible receipt. Um, it was in a gray area. And just being a person of integrity with that and doing what is right is important. If your deacon is involved in business, uh, what kind of reputation do they have? Do they have a reputation for trying to make a quick dollar and setting aside relationships, setting aside things that matter a lot? Or do they have a reputation for doing the right thing, even if it means losing money? I think it's so important that we as Christians, uh, but especially those in church leadership, have a right uh, perspective on money and not being controlled by money. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And verse 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Get far away from from financial dealings where greed is involved, but follow godliness, righteousness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Good words from scripture, very practical, and this is a description of who a deacon should be. And I don't believe it's about being rich or poor, whether or not you have, you're greedy of money, but it's about how you handle it. How honest are you in financial affairs? Do you value integrity more than you value money? <clears throat> so as far as your deacon, can you in the community respect him? Is he a man that is free except for being a slave to Christ? And I believe as a, if, if a man does not hold these qualifications and is, is being considered for the, the deacon or the lot, for the sake of the church, which is the bride of Christ, we need to make sure we have a man who does qualify in these areas. <clears throat> Moving on to verse 9, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And I believe we all understand the mystery of faith. Uh, God's plan of bringing sinful, broken men to the kingdom, forgiving their sins, having a relationship with him, uh, saving people from their sins. And so we understand that, but holding it in a pure conscience, a clean conscience, a cleansed conscience. A deacon uh, should not just be able to recite scripture, 
but needs to be holy and godly with a clear conscience. So I don't think there's any perfect men here, or women for that matter. We all are imperfect, and yet to have a clear conscience is very important. Men who are not perfect but are above reproach, those who can adhere to doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, out of a sincere conviction. So let's look at the next verses here and uh, focus on authenticity. We are looking for someone who's authentic, someone who we, we know who they are. It is very clear who they are. We don't really question this person and who they have been, who they are today, and where they're going in life. In verse 10, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So what does it mean to first be proved? Does that mean we have a several year uh, period where our newly ordained deacon is proved? I think as you have lived life together as a congregation the last five, ten years, you know who you're sitting beside. I, I think we all are being proved as we live life. And so, as you think about nominating someone this evening, have they been proved? Do you know, do you know who this person is at the core? So a man demonstrates his fitness for office in the church by his contact, conduct, not by his perfectness. I would be more interested in a man apologizing for something than never having to apologize because we're all imperfect. But who is someone who has been proved? And so I believe as, as we think of, of uh, the lot this evening and an ordination, we're, we're looking, we're recognizing some men in our congregation who could do well with this. We're not looking for men that we're thinking, well, maybe we'll try it. We'll give it a try. We're looking for someone who's, who has proved themselves. Let them first be proved, then let them use the office of the deacon being found blameless. And as, as you think of uh, people who are being proved and found blameless, I believe there's people other than your ministry team and your deacon who are ready doing the work of a deacon in the church. And for that, I just want to say thank you to you as a congregation. I know it's happening. I know you all are meeting needs within the church, sometimes without your deacon even knowing about it. And so I believe there's, in a way, a lot of deacons here. They're just meeting needs that are there for each other. So who is already doing deacon work in your church? Who's already meeting those needs? Who's doing well in caring for others and proving themselves to be trustworthy with people and with finances? And who among you desires these things, the work of a deacon with his heart? And how does that desire show itself in the life of the church? So as we, as we go through these qualifications, these qualifications are, are really about each one of us. We should all be 
um, whether or not we even think we may be in the lot should be thinking about these qualifications. And uh, God is calling all of us to live this way. Being found blameless, I don't know if any of us here are just blameless. Uh, we, we do struggle, we, we make mistakes, we apologize, we feel bad about things that have happened, and yet, I hope you're blameless this morning. I hope there's nothing in your life that God, or that God, that other people and God can just take a hold on and say, this is something that is wrong and it needs to be changed. As we look at scripture and look at people, are we looking at someone here who is blameless? Because when someone in leadership in the church is not blameless, then people in the church and outside the church can grab a hold of that and not trust the church. And, and it can uh, break down trust with the church. <clears throat> Being blameless is, is, I think, best demonstrated by a track record of behavior. As we see a person over time, um, it's a broad term for a man who lives a righteous life that can be seen as righteous. And no one can stand up and accuse this person of grievous sin. If you ever watch people fight, or box, I should say, if, if you watch a boxing match, a boxer will always defend himself, right? He'll, he'll move back, he'll move to the side, he'll, he'll put his arms, his fists, where they need to be to protect himself from a serious hit. And I believe as Christians, we too per can protect ourselves by being blameless. And we have nothing to worry about, really. Are we perfect? No. Are we blameless? Yes. So we're not looking for a perfect man, but one who lives above sin and one who does not, one who Satan does not have a stronghold on. And I just encourage you, as we look at this verse, to pray for your leaders. Uh, they are under attack. Satan knows if he can get them and get a stronghold in their life, then the congregation becomes vulnerable. So pray for them, support them. Find ways to encourage them, jump in there with them, and, uh, and walk beside them. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I think this is a verse that really does well in describing the, the deacon. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. So there's times uh, when there's going to be conflict that comes up in the church. And is your deacon a man who can handle conflict in a healthy and positive way? Instead of taking sides and join, joining in the fight, can they be gentle, blameless, and patient in the middle of situations? And I think we want that from our leaders uh, because when we don't have a man who will be gentle and blameless and patient, um, it's hard to keep trust intact in tough situations. Let's move on to family. I remember uh, when we ended up in the lot in our church, 
I uh, was pretty convinced that I was not sitting far enough in the front of the church for people to watch my children uh, because they were not on their best behavior that evening. And so it was what it was, but we did end up in the lot. I think people looked past our children uh, trying to figure life out and, and us as parents trying to figure life out. Um, so, so your deacon's family won't be perfect, right? Especially if there's young children, sometimes they can put on quite a show. But let's, let's look at what it means to, to be a deacon, be the husband of one wife, rule their children and their own houses well. I believe a deacon and his wife and their family are a result of and a reflection of the church family. We don't raise our children alone, but we raise them together as a church. The, soul, the responsibility rests on us, but as a church, we also have a part in the responsibility. <clears throat> our children go to Sunday school class, and the older they get, the more they relate with other people, and the oftener other people around us step in and, and walk with our children as they become adults. And someday, these children may be in church leadership. They say sometimes it's, it's your little boy that's climbing the Sunday school walls who's going to be your next preacher. And so as, as, we, as we think of, first of all, we'll look at, at um, being the husband of one wife. But uh, as we will take a, a little time to look at children also. So when it comes to being the deacon of one wife, I believe the concept here is of a man who's a one woman man. Um, as men, our love, our affection, our heart needs to be solely on our wife, our lawful and wedded wife. So, and that doesn't mean that we, or that does mean we do not show interest in other women that means that we are not involved in pornography, not in a daughter, a flirt, and things like that. But we're the husband of one wife. As we look at children, I believe that uh, children can struggle at times, and when we, uh, I, believe, I, I believe children are always gonna struggle at some time in life. There will be times in life when they go through hard things. So why is a child struggling? I sometimes ask that question as I work with young people. Is it because of the home or is it in spite of the parents and them doing well with the children? And especially when we're in the thick of raising children, we're just not always sure if we know what we're doing. We are not always sure if it's because of us or if we'll come out okay in the end. And sometimes we rely on older people and ask if we're doing okay, and they say, oh yeah, you'll be fine. Just, just, just hang in there, it'll get better. And um, I just believe it's important in our homes, in all of our homes, that we have children who are safe, they know they're safe, they know they're loved, they're affirmed, they're disciplined in love, 
and have parents that are secure in who they are in Christ. I just believe that's so important. Our children can sense, even at a young age, where we personally are in our relationship with Christ, how secure that we are. And so, as our children grow up, they're learning to do life through trial and error, and we're letting them make mistakes. We're letting them learn the hard way at times, and I believe we need to give parents grace uh, for that as they raise their children. When you're in the thick of it, you have no more answers some days as, as far as how to do, how to do this thing of, of parenting. But children are such a blessing. We love them. And uh, I just want to affirm you as parents, as you work with your children, as you love them well, as you walk with them to, to continue to do well with that. And then also, I actually skipped a verse here. I think I got my notes mixed up, actually. So when, when, it, when it talks about women, in verse 11, even so must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. And I think as we as we think about an ordination and as we think about a man for the lot, we also should think about his wife. Who is his wife and how will she support him? Um, is she reverent? Is she, and when we think of a slander, we think of, of someone who talks negatively about others, talks badly about others. And as a deacon, you do get to know people well. You talk with people, you work with people, and as husband and wife, you share together. Maybe not totally everything, but sometimes you're working together. And so, is the deacon and his wife trustworthy with confidential things? Can they keep private information private? And maybe a deacon will share with his ministry team um, something that's going on in the church, but yet not share every detail of what is happening. Can we respect other, other people by keeping those things private? <clears throat> There's few, few ways to break trust as quickly with people as to talk about their private matters to others. I think for me personally, it's hard to fathom being a deacon without my wife, without Joanna. Um, she has just been kind, loving, trustworthy, wise with people, and confidential, and it's been a really big blessing. There's times when we work together with people and she'll bring another viewpoint. She will share her thoughts, um, ask really good questions, good insight, and it's, it's such a blessing. And uh, a deacon and his wife especially, I believe, work together as a team when they work with people in the church. I believe it was the weekend we were in the lot uh, that we were ordained. Um, the preacher was preaching, probably somewhat the message I'm preaching here this morning. And uh, one of our children looked to, to Joanna and said, uh, the preacher's talking about you, isn't he, Mama? And um, so that was a little bit of a moment there. So yes, our wives are important as we uh, consider the office of the deacon. 
And then verse 13, they that have used the office of deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So I believe faithful deacons are to be respected for their service and recognized for their work. And a deacon's role is not just administrative, but it's also spiritual. And you serve other people spiritually, you walk with people, you meet needs, physically and spiritually. And I believe, according to this verse, there is a spiritual reward for that. And not only for the deacon, but for the church as well. And the church can thrive together. As we think of the office of deacon, we, the office of deacon is a servant office, and yet we as people tend to have this system where we elevate people depending on their gifts, their abilities, if they're smart, if they're wealthy, if they have giftings we admire, and if they're in front of other people, we say, wow, that's someone that could serve well as a deacon. But who does God elevate? What, God sees our hearts, and he sees what happens whether it's in front of people or not. In Luke chapter 9, the verse says, and, I, and, said, and he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. And I believe there's a lot of great people here in this congregation who are never up front, but are serving others well. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And so this is about serving. We're looking for someone to serve. <clears throat> Hebrews 10.35 talks about confidence. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which, is, which hath great recompense of reward. I believe confidence is a gift given to those who serve God well. We can be more confident in the faith, and faith is mentioned 19 times in 1 Timothy. Faith is important. It's an important part of the Christian life. So for those who have served well as deacons, God remembers their faithful service, even in tasks that others would consider menial. So just a few words here to you as a church and uh, to whoever God does choose as deacon. Maybe shared a bit um, from some of, of, of my personal experiences. Serving as deacon brings you into situations that are a real blessing and other situations that are hard and complex. Um, I believe some of these difficult situations that you work with people on it's not a chosen path for them. It may not even be their issue, but it's what they've been dealt with in life. And as you minister to them and meet their needs, encourage them, you may have to confront, you may have to give words of wisdom, input, and as a deacon, you are in over your head quite a few times, I believe. It's hard to know what to say, and I believe as a deacon, you need to be in prayer and relationship with God. And I believe there's been so many times where God has brought something to my mind and it's been the right thing. And it certainly did not come from me. 
your deacon will need to be rooted and grounded in Christ because these situations don't always turn out well and they don't normally have neat and tidy endings. So as a church, be understanding, find ways to encourage your deacon and ministry team and they'll be blessed to have your support and I'm sure you do well with that. As a deacon, do what God has called you to do and don't take responsibility for more than what God has called you to. Because these situations at times can be weighty, they can be draining emotionally, and you may receive the credit for how they've turned out, whether good or bad, whether right or wrong, whether accurate or not. And I believe there's times where God has called us as Christians, but also us as in leadership um, to suffer well. And it's okay, your relationship with Christ it is what is important. So our identity as a ministry team and as a church needs to be rooted and grounded in Christ, no matter whether others are praising us or criticizing us. <clears throat> and then there's situations that are such a blessing. I, I feel at times I get, Joanne and I, we get a front row seat into what God is doing in people's lives, how needs are being met in the congregation that you just, you didn't know there was a need and, and someone met the need or you know there was a need here and someone felt moved to give or to do something for this person. And um, clearly God is orchestrating the situation. There's times where I think we would have felt like Moses at the burning bush where he took his shoes off because he was on holy ground. And you get to witness the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. You get to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And you're called to comfort others and meet needs. I know when I stand at Mine Road and preach, I, I look out across the congregation, and I know some of you, not too well, but I know at home when I'm preaching, that there, there's a, it's a group of people, of individuals who have a heart for God and for some of them I know what they're going through, I know their struggles and I've seen their heart for God and I, I just, we just have a neat group of individuals at Mine Road who love the Lord. And so as a deacon, you're being called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to his church. So grow in your relationship with him and become more and more like him. So I believe as we have gone down through these qualifications, they are important. And it's important for the future of your church that your pastors and deacons line up with these qualifications. The church is the bride of Christ and it's a weighty responsibility. And the church is representing Jesus to the world. And so if the church falls apart, what hope does the world actually have? So together as a church, you're going into an ordination. Um, this experience will impact each one of us in some way or another, not just the ones ordained, not, not just the ones in the lot, but it will impact all of us. But I just want to bless you as you pray and come together as a church, support each other, 
and allow this ordination and the results of it to speak into your life and bring you together as a church and uh, God's blessings as you embrace his will for you as a church. Well, we will be praying at Mine Road and I'm sure many other people are praying. Let's kneel for prayer.